0: Hi, this is the fifth of my video training blocks for life group leaders, and we're now going to turn our attention to the third of the important priorities for life groups, that is praying together. And in the first of two, I'm going to look at the question, why is praying together so important? Well, I've got a broad definition of praying together. I think it involves three things. It involves presence, it involves praise, and it involves petition. So I'm going to look at each of those three in turn. Let's start with presence. Essentially, Life Group is all about the presence of God. I remember someone talking at a leadership conference about Cell Church way back in 1996. The Cell Church model, which had come out of the revival in the Far East, had really caught the imagination of many UK churches at the time. And this guy said that the main difference he felt between cell groups and house groups was the presence of God. Now, while at the time, and most definitely since, I've come to conclude that his analysis isn't quite right, that's not really important. The emphasis on enjoying and experiencing the presence of God in our small group settings is important. And it's remained a strong conviction of mine ever since. It really doesn't matter, I guess, what model or structure we use for organising church at a small group level. The presence of God has got to be there. That's why I've chosen a loaf of bread as the visual aid for this particular session. Because I think bread often in the Bible symbolises the presence of God. For me, I guess, most closely, it would be the bread of the presence in the temple, in the temple worship. There was a loaf of bread sitting there called the bread of presence. I guess in some ways it may have kind of echoes from uh, maybe the the bread that Melchizedek gave to Abraham after his victory. Or maybe the manna from heaven that fell and provided for the nourishment of the Israelites in the desert. But of course it foreshadows, doesn't it? It foreshadowed the Passover. It foreshadowed, I guess, the Lord's Supper and the Lord's life given for us. It, I guess, also foreshadowed the very fact that Jesus called himself the bread of life. And he said right at the heart of his prayer that he taught his disciples, give us today our daily bread and his presence is surely our everyday need. You know, from my experience of being a a life group leader for a number of years, there was one scenario that I dreaded more than everyone in the group saying they couldn't come tonight. And that was when just one person said they could come and everybody else said they couldn't. I guess I'd hoped that maybe I was, I would have been able to watch some Champions League football and now that wasn't gonna happen. But secondly, I wondered, had I got the right plan for the life group, but in mind there might only have been then two or three of us. Well, I just wonder actually, whether Jesus might have had that life group leader and that moment in the dynamic of a life group in mind, when he promised Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. Perhaps he just particularly wanted to encourage you or me or any life group leader in that kind of scenario. I love the account of the prayer meeting in the early days of the church in Acts chapter 4. It says this, that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, Pentecost had come, and I guess was something of a unique event but small groups of Christians in those early days continued to get together to pray. And the promise here is from that narrative that God continued to show up in power again and again. Not only for that moment, but also to equip them for their witness and their mission in the coming week and weeks. Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, Now to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he goes on to list nine different examples of the manifestation of the Spirit. And he goes on to give the body of Christ imagery to illustrate what he's talking about. And those verses just remind me of three things about the presence of God. It's proof, promise and purpose. It's proof... Because the manifestation of the Spirit in spiritual gifts is evidence that God's presence is really among us. The promise is that everyone, each one of us, can participate in using the spiritual gifts for others' benefit. And surely it's the life group setting. Working alongside and in complement to the corporate meetings and the Sunday mornings, Where we're going to ensure that that promise is fulfilled and becomes a reality in the life of our church. And thirdly, purpose. The purpose of all this is for our common good. Not at the exclusion of anybody. In fact, for the good of the world and those not even present in your house or in your street at that time. The common good is to encourage, to encourage those who receive the spiritual gift. But I'm finding, and I'm sure you do too, that it encourages the gift of the gift more often than not. But it's also there to equip and empower us for mission and for ministry to one another. Timothy was a young leader and his mentor Paul wrote to encourage him. He said this, fan into flame the gift of God. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity. That's 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. There's nothing like a regular opportunity to use your gift as a way of fanning it into flame. And Life Group, I think, provides that regular opportunity. There's no better context for shaking off the timidity of the things of the spirit, either because you're new to it or because it's been a little bit dormant, then again in the safe and the loving and the accepting environment offered by a life group. So that's presence. Number two is praise. Thanksgiving and praise is the gateway into God's presence. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Paul clarifies that gratitude is the right attitude. That appreciation is appropriate as an atmosphere for effective prayer. When he prescribes, if you like, the antidote to worry and anxiety in Philippians 3 verse 6. He said this, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So thankfulness there should be at the heart of our prayer life. Of our petitions and requests, whether for ourselves, whether at a prayer and share night, or whether praying together in a life group, and it's in that context where we experience the peace of God. Why? Because the presence of God comes and invades our hearts and invades our minds with Himself. So, thanking God is always the best place to start when you pray. And I think Jesus reflects this in the Lord's Prayer which starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now sometimes I like praying through the Lord's Prayer as a springboard for my prayer life. And sometimes I find I'm spending so long on those first few phrases, simply because it inspires uh, just an attitude of gratefulness to our God. And I think Paul reflects this pattern as well in all the different letters he wrote that now are part of our New Testament. He almost always listed things right at the beginning of the letter that he was thankful for. Whether it was specific things in that church or that individual, or whether it was just the general blessings in Christ that we all benefit from. So that's praise. And so thirdly, it is petition. We know that prayer is the breath of Christian discipleship. And I guess petition is what we often think of when we think of prayer. Paul ends his description of the armour of God in Ephesians 6 with a rousing call to prayer. He said this, and pray in the Spirit, which is why the presence of God is so important in our life groups, on all occasions, well, life group is again another type of occasion, and with all kinds of prayers and requests, and I'll tell you what, you certainly get all kinds of prayers and requests in a life group, and that's great. Topics and, and needs get shared that won't get shared in any other context. You'll be praying for stuff in life group that won't get prayed as a matter of course at our corporate prayer meetings or our weeks of prayer or even on a Sunday morning. So it goes on to say, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now sometimes maybe I will pick up the church directory and just start praying for people individually. I don't think I've ever got to the end on one prayer occasion. And maybe I pick it up again and start somewhere else. I tell you, there's no guarantee that I will pray for everybody. And I know others probably do something similar. And again, between us, it, it's good to do, but we're not going to cover everybody, not in a dynamic way. So, how can we pray for all the saints? Even just at King's Church. Well, I think the most reliable way is for ensuring that as part of our life group evening, we pray for one another. That way we can pray for all the saints. I'm also convinced that pastoral care eventually will only work if the individual needing the prayer is themselves seeking God in prayer. James puts it really bluntly, if any of you is in trouble, he should pray. James 5.13. But we do know also there's this dynamic of sharing and carrying each other's burdens. In Galatians 6 we learn that. We have to carry our own load, no one can share that. But burdens can be shared. And it's in the life group context, in the context particularly of praying for one another, that we can provide that support and that strength and standing with each other by praying together. Ultimately, as well, I think, that's going to encourage the individual to go back to God on their own and seek his help with the load that only Christ can carry for us. And lastly, in this section, I just want to quickly share some thoughts on why we encourage the laying on of hands. I, I don't think naturally I'm a very tactile person. and If you know Quincy, you'll find that he is a naturally tactile person. I think I'm learning But when I see Jesus, he seemed to be very tactile. You might not get that impression from looking at his portraits in the gallery, but I think he was. He touched people when he was healing, when he was delivering, when he was even raising people from the dead. In Luke 4.40, it says that at sunset, often when our groups are meeting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one. He healed And the laying on of hands, also, looking through the New Testament, seems important for being filled with the Holy Spirit, look up Acts 8.18, for receiving an impartation and a spiritual gift, look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, because I think something about the laying of hands reminds us that we have to be in the same place at the same time. There might be a trend Uh, for virtual church and there might be a place for it but not at the expense of being together at the same place at the same time and expressing our love and affection for one another through a language of touch and somehow in God's spiritual economy it also works to impart and impact people's life with the presence of God.